Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest, U.S. Senator Doug Jones. Also, the V-Team takes a look at scared, restless, and bored. And Kay Ivey stands her ground on reopening. She is that fierce. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR, and Susan Britt, my wife and partner, here outside of beautiful downtown Atala. How are you doing, Susan? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Bill? Josh? Doing, doing no, great. How are you, know, Josh? Oh, fantastic. How about yourself? Well, locked down and uh, might as well be locked up, right? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, having been to an Alabama prison before, I'm pretty sure we're better off. Much no better doubt. off. Much <laughs> better off. Well, uh, Susan, this past week we saw a spike in the COVID-19 cases in Alabama. It's something that was expected. You know, we had a, a high of about 283 cases reported on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So. We're not seeing the numbers go down yet, but we, we understand that this is a spike period. So far, nearly 6,000 total cases, 700 plus hospitalized, and over 200 dead. Yeah, we're not beginning. I don't know exactly how the social distancing is helping at this point in Alabama. It looks like, you know, we, we were declining in the diagnosed cases per day. For a while, but now it seems like they're going, they're spiking back up again. I'm well, not sure what the indication. Well, I think Dr. Harris said that we should look for a spike around the 22nd. Mm -hmm. So that would have been when it happened. Now, if we see it go down over the next week, that'll be a positive sign. Uh, Josh, but you've looked at some of these numbers. Uh, you know, we're just not doing enough testing. I mean, we're at about 1%. We've tested around uh, 56,000. Alabamians, that's around 1%. But you've looked at other states to see the trending in text, testing there. Yeah, and if you, oh, excuse me, if you look at the states around, uh, or the, the counties uh, in the states bordering Alabama and look at their individual testing and kind of go and, and compare it to the counties in Alabama just across that border, uh, you see a pretty big disparity, especially in Georgia and Tennessee. Uh, and, and you can see where, let's say like Claiborne County, which I wrote about uh, earlier this week, where they've only tested 50 people in all of Claiborne County in Alabama. And then right across the line, you have one of the biggest hotspots in the country uh, in Georgia. And, you know, the idea that the virus is respecting the, the invisible state line is kind of, you know, ridiculous. And 
you know, yeah. and I understand that there are some there are some there's some factors that, that lie in, in some of those counties there. You know, they'll have some plants or they'll have a bigger city where people are uh, more densely populated. Uh, but the fact remains, uh, we're not doing enough testing. And so I don't know uh, at this point, there's no way that the state of Alabama can rely on testing numbers going down as an indicator uh, or positive right. tests going down as an indicator of, of us getting better. I, what I think we are, we're going to have to look at is hospitalizations, uh, hospitalization rates, uh, and things of that nature. Because I mean, we got what ten counties or so where we're not even testing anybody at this point. It's just right. strange. And, we can't do that. And, and of the sixty-seven counties, only thirty of them, or somewhere about thirty of them, have tested at the one percent. The rest of them are below testing at one percent. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, make some, the one yeah, some, uh, I think, I can't remember which county it is. Well, Geneva County is at like 0.4%, you know, 0.4. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, Wilcox County, where Governor Ivey's from, is not much better. I mean, so it, it, it definitely doesn't, it crosses borders and it crosses parties. So it, mm -hmm. is, it is certainly bad. Uh, we would have to triple the number of tests that we're doing right now to even get near where we need to be. Uh, and. And, and, and people are clamoring for us to open back up the economy. I mean, I get it. People are scared, mm -hmm. tired, restless, and bored. You throw into that mix that they're angry and resentful. And Josh, I mean, we're seeing some of the best behavior in people, and then we're seeing some absolute lunacy. Yeah, there's some there's some real lunacy uh, taking place, and, and some people who are very cavalier with, with other people's lives. Uh, you know, at this point. And, uh, yeah, I, I understand that there is some unfairness taking place there that I think could be corrected with a, with an easing of an order, uh, slightly, uh, here, you right. know, maybe letting some retail places open back up, but, um, it, it, because it, you, you've opened up big box places and put the same restrictions on everybody and let, let some of these places open back up. But at the same time we have, I think, been able to make a dent in what's taking place with the spread of the virus. So, and, oh, and yeah. if that's the case, then, you know, I, I think you've got to wait until you see those hospital numbers drop down to where the people at the hospitals feel comfortable that they're not going to be overrun and they're not going to have these, these major, major issues if another flare up occurs. Right. And, and, and there are some people that Susan, for right or wrong, believe that the government telling them where they can go and when they can go there and all that is a form of tyranny. Uh, Mo Brooks has come out and basically said, well, you know, we, we, we don't have, we don't want the government dictating to us. And my thing is, Mo's side of the aisle will dictate everything in your life uh, yes. if they get a chance, the Mo Brookses yes. of the world. Uh, so this is not about uh, the governor dictating. This is about the governor doing what she's supposed to do, which is to keep people safe. This is the governor keeping people from doing things that are stupid, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some people don't even believe that the COVID-19 exists. And so, you know, they would be likely to infect someone who maybe does believe it exists. Right. So, I mean, this is sometimes the government just has to say, you know, put their foot down like your mama and say, look, y'all need to stay home. Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of where we are. I mean, though, Josh, uh, I don't know if you saw any footage of the protest outside the Capitol in Montgomery. There were a lot of folks driving around in cars, honking their horns. There were a few people out there. One guy had a poster said, I need a haircut, and I agree, he did. Uh, yeah. But, you know, for the looks of it, the haircut ain't going to help him that much. I got a suggestion for him. 
Uh, but, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, is, I, I don't think, to me, the, those things are, are even, those protests at this point are really even worth mentioning all that much. I, because yeah. at, at most all of them, including the one here in this state, the the people covering the protest and the people the looky loos going out to watch the people at the protest outnumbered the people protesting. So right, right. you know it was it, you, you've got a small number. These protests are hugely unpopular, hugely unpopular among even Republicans uh, out there. And you know I, I just to me I I don't know what you're trying to to accomplish here. You're taking people, and I understand everybody's scared, all right? And I understand it's a weird situation, but we're all in this situation, okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I don't know what other alternative you think is better than this. People people will die if they do what you're suggesting they do. All right. Well, we're going to have to leave it that right there. People protesting social distancing by social distancing in their cars. <laughs> in their cars. All right. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics, up next. U.S. Senator Doug Jones speaks his mind on the beat. What a great opportunity for your success. Adding half a million highly skilled employees to our workforce by 2025 is how we stay ahead in Alabama. Our economy is stronger than it's been in years, and a skilled workforce is more important than ever. Things move fast, so choose your path. Your success is waiting, plus a great future for Alabama. Success Plus. Go for it. What are you doing today, babe? I thought I'd head down the lake with the guys, do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seatbelts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. With coronavirus spreading, people at higher risk must take extra precautions. You are at higher risk if you're over 65 or if you have an underlying medical condition like heart disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, or if your immune system is compromised for any reason. If you're at higher risk, stay six feet or two arm lengths away from others. Better yet, stay home if you can. The choices you make are critical. Please visit coronavirus.gov for more information. Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We're joined today by U.S. Senator Doug Jones. He's joining us from Birmingham. Senator Jones, thank you for being on The Voice of Alabama politics today. My pleasure, Bill. Hello to you and Susan. I hope you're doing well. We are. Welcome to our home, too, outside of Atala, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> very good. I know the Senate has been working very, very hard, and you've been working extremely hard on the behalf of the people of Alabama. And one of the things that I've noticed that you are really concentrating on right now is how do we convince the state to expand Medicaid during this time of crisis? Can you help us understand how that would help the state, our hospitals, and our citizens. 
Sure. Uh, thanks for asking that, Bill, because let me tell you, I think that this crisis has really shown a spotlight on the need to expand Medicaid in Alabama. We've got 325 to 377,000 Alabamians who would receive uh, good health insurance uh, benefits if we could expand Medicaid, and it would bring billions of dollars in uh, to this state. The fact of the matter is, right now, most of the health care dollars for the uninsured like that it's going to come from the federal government, but it's going to come through giving money just to hospitals to help prop them up. If we expanded Medicaid right now, we would bring in uh, billions of dollars, but also, and this is incredibly important, give good health care uh, to a lot of the needy Alabamians that need it badly. And these are people that have been working in the past. So I think if we do that, we can make sure that we continue on the path of, you know, everybody knows that my health is dependent on yours and yours is dependent on mine. And this would be a huge win. What I'm hoping to do um, in the Congress is to convince the Congress in the next package to put some incentives so that um, we can give states like Alabama uh, incentives, maybe 100 percent match so that there really, really be no excuse if we could do that for Alabama not expanding Medicaid. But we need to get that health care, folks, uh, to folks across the state. In a, a majority, a supermajority Republican Alabama uh, legislature, how do you really think you're going to convince these guys down here to go ahead and expand Medicaid when they've been so resistant even though there have been incentives before? Well, I think that there has been two things. Number one has been an economic reason, and that probably exists today more than it did six months ago uh, to do that. But I think if we give the 100% reimbursement uh, for a period of time, it would sure help with that. It would, it would make that a non-issue. The other thing, quite frankly, guys, it's just been purely political. I mean, this is part of the Affordable Care Act. It's been purely political. There's a knee-jerk reaction to it. But I'm going to tell you, I've seen the polling done by us, by others. Uh, this is supported by a huge majority of the people of Alabama. So I think these uh, legislators ought to do some serious polling in their own districts. But what you're going to find is that the people in Alabama support it, especially now. They know that getting their neighbors good health care is going to help them and their communities and overall the economy of this state. And that, that is a grave concern. I've heard you say that time and again. We at this time of crisis, neighbor helping neighbor and neighbor depending on neighbor. And that's not just our next door neighbor. That's all Alabamians. We all are in this together. And it seems reasonable what you're saying. Well, it's just can we get, get reasonable people to come together, right? <laughs> There's no question, Bill, and, and, and it's going to have the secondary benefit down the road of saving rural hospitals. It's not the silver bullet for those, but it's going to save rural hospitals. It's going to bring that money into those rural areas that can help their economies. It's going to create jobs. I mean, it's, it would be close to a billion dollars a year that we would get coming in here. So it's just, you know, it's one of those things that Alabama has left a lot of money on the table, and it's time that we get our fair share. Well, I agree with you. Uh, there is something that you're working on in the Senate with your colleagues up there, and that is the uh, Paycheck uh, Secure, is it Security Act, is that what it's called? Could you explain for our viewers what that is and what that will do for the folks of Alabama and our country if it gets passed? Sure. It, it is a supplement to the payroll protection plan. You know, everything that we've done, guys, is a, is a work in progress as we see the depth of this pandemic and the crisis and how we're going to have to slowly open the economy back up. You can't flip a switch. This is going to last for some time. There are going to be people that are not working in any unemployment lines for a period of time. 
The payroll protection plan is a good way to do it, but I don't think it has been the most efficient way to do things. So we had to put more money in. It's likely to run out uh, in a, within a week or so after the, it gets funded. So this plan will create a, a program where business can use payroll processing companies, go straight to the treasury or the IRS to fund their payroll for people up to $90,000 uh, per paycheck. Uh, it's a plan that you've got to show a loss. It's a plan that you can't have a lot of cash reserves. There's a lot of protections for it. But if we do that, it would give uh, these businesses and these employees a way to safely open their business, not just emotionally think that they've got to get out there and run that business right now, but they can do it safely, healthy, and they can do it in a way that continues to, to keep the business afloat and keep the employees, because that's really the bread and butter of any small business or the employees that are working there. It keeps them afloat as well. It's a great program. Well, and, and with, you know, back of the envelope, you know, my math, that we're, we're looking at 15 to 20% unemployment. Uh, our record's going back to 1987. Uh, that would be the worst we've seen uh, because we, don't keep re we didn't keep records before that. But it's going to take a huge hit. And while some folks resist it, it seems to me that right now we're going to have to rely on leaders in government to help us get through this crisis. Well, Bill, that's exactly right. I think a crisis like this is the time when leadership has to step up and make some really tough decisions. I think the governor did one the other day that I commended her for. She resisted a lot of political pressure from our neighboring yes. states. But uh, leading in a time of crisis, I think, is important. And unfortunately, you know, we're having to spend a lot of money, a lot more money than we ever dreamed uh, that we would have to spend. But it's incredible. We really don't have a whole lot of choice because we want to keep these businesses open uh, for business when we do get rolling again. And we want to get those employees, their benefits, keep them on the payroll so that at some point we can get back to some sense of normalcy. But you've got to do it gradually. And the payrolls, uh, the Paycheck Security Act will do just that. we got about 40 seconds. Uh, one other thing I wanted to ask you about is you've written the governor and you've spoken with, uh, written to the governor about a healthcare uh, manufacturing task force. Can you give us quickly what that means? Sure. I, there's no question, Bill, that we are too dependent on foreign countries for our healthcare uh, equipment, whether it's masks and gowns or ventilators. Alabama is primed with all the medical research and great healthcare uh, facilities that we have from one end of the state to the other. We are primed to, to attract manufacturing, healthcare manufacturing, have those jobs in the United States so we can reduce the foreign dependence on, on that. And, and folks like the governor of Maryland don't have to go to South Korea to buy 500,000 masks. We can do those all right here in Alabama. I think we've got the infrastructure to do that. Just look at what happened yesterday with the closing of the Goodyear plant up in Gadsden. There's a lot of things that we've got here to work for us. And I think they're already looking at issues like this and I applaud them to do it. I want to help as much as we can. I think Alabama's got an opportunity here. Well, Senator Jones, we appreciate all your efforts on behalf of every Alabamian in Washington, D.C. Please stay safe and come back and see us soon. I'll do it, Bill. Thank you. You and Susan, take care. Thank Bye. you. Our special guest today was U.S. Senator Doug Jones. We'll be right back with more news and opinion. What are you doing today? Um, 
playing the game. Thought I'd go out for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill a family four and a half on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. A lot can change in five years. Except those smile lines you treated with Bellafill. Because that's about how long Bellafill will keep them smooth and filled. Five years. Now you can always look your best without all those injections, appointments, and costs. Bellafill is the only dermal filler that stimulates and maintains collagen growth long term. Now time is on your side. You know, Josh and Susan, uh, there is a reason to reopen. You know, over the last six weeks, uh, unemployment uh, some, is somewhere between 15 20%. Uh, over 360,000 Alabamians have filed for unemployment. We are headed for some type of recession or in the middle of it, or possibly even a, a depression. The state is considering that it has lost at least $1 billion in revenue. But Josh, you know, is this, are we at a place where when we open the economy, do we think it's going to come back with with some quickness or, or is this going to be long drawn out? Well, yeah, you know, I think that, uh, you know, because I think everybody is scared here. So so I think a lot of people are, are coming to these kind of decisions about trying to rush to reopen it. And, and listen, everybody, everybody is a little nervous about what's happening. But, you know, reading the stuff from from actual economists and people that, that know this and study things on a uh, on a pretty regular on a daily basis is their lives. Uh, you know, they expect kind of a U-shaped uh recession depression type thing for the economy where we're going to drop kind of fall off a cliff which is what we're doing uh and but once we kind of get to the bottom and we start to reopen things back up we're going to come up pretty quickly uh because you know we did have a fairly good economy coming into this thing yeah uh you know i think people could argue whether or not that the economy was necessarily great in alabama with the low wage jobs and some of that nature which has really impacted us uh more so here uh but I think that you know, once you do start to come back, a lot of those people are going to go immediately back to work. All right, you're going to have a lot of immediate jobs come back, uh, come back available, and so you're going to have a real cut to that unemployment that wouldn't ordinarily be there in a regular recession, depression type of situation. Right, right. Well, Susan, Governor Kay Ivey has resisted the call mm -hmm. to reopen the government, reopen businesses before April 30th. I was very proud of her. I think we all were for taking that stand. She gave kind of a Clint Eastwood stare and said, no, I'm going to listen to the medical professionals. And, you know, her, her COVID-19 task force is primarily made up of medical professionals. So uh, while she's getting a lot of political heat, I think she's going to make uh, recommendations that we hope are reasonable. And I tend to believe they will be. I mean, uh, you know, May 1st is right around the corner. It is. And it is. there are a lot of people wanting to open things up. Is there any way to open things up reasonably? I think what we're going to see recommendations coming out of the governor's office this week is going to look more like maybe opening retail first because that's something, you know, the argument is that if you can buy shoes at Walmart with 500 people, why can't you buy shoes at your local 
shoe store with five people in there. Uh, the challenge for that, I think it's going to be these <coughs> businesses being able to afford the PPEs that will be necessary for their employees uh, to be able to get into the store and serve people. But I, think, I don't think it's going to be the big recommendation that Will Ainsworth came with last week. I think it's going to be more of a peppered tour right. approach. Well, I mean, it makes sense to me to do something that's more incremental, Josh. Uh, I can see, like Susan said, opening up some retail venues. I mean, if I, I can buy running shoes at Walmart, I can certainly buy them at, at Foot Locker, right? It makes no yeah. difference where I buy my running shoes. Uh, I can see a scenario where, you know, we go back to uh, elective, uh, some elective medical procedures as well. Uh, one of the big questions, uh, uh, at least on my mind, you were talking about PPEs, is how do you open a dentist office? You know, is that something we can do? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. And I think, you know, as far as elective surgeries and things like that go, you know, I think that you, you leave that up to the hospitals, uh, you know, and if that's the recommendations they have, uh, you know, because they kind of self-police themselves going into this uh, and, and cut a lot of those things out. And so I think if they're saying, listen, we're comfortable with the capacity that we have, uh, that we can safely do these things, then I think you, you follow their advice. And because, again, if we're not going to listen to the doctors and people there that are making those decisions, then I, I don't know who else to listen to. And if they screw it up, they screw it up, uh, you know, right. and, uh, and they'll have to face the consequences of that. I, I do I do worry about opening up a lot of things at, at once just because I think you're going to force back some people into jobs where it's going to put them at risk for people with some underlying conditions and some fears of right. that nature. And I, I just worry what sort of, 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 of situation you're going to put people in and then what sort of liability you're going to put the state or those stores in uh, in terms of people possibly dying because they, they feel like they're choosing between paying their bills and, right. and you know, and, and death. And, and, and the, I couldn't believe that the, uh, uh, they, they put out this thing this week that said basically, well, if your employer calls you back, you got to go or you don't get unemployment. You yeah. know, well, what if they have, you know, diabetes and heart conditions and yeah. asthma and all that? I mean, come on, you're asking people to put their life on the line to go do a job. Yeah, it's a, it, and there was a caveat in there is that you could be you know, w without your unemployment compensation if you, if you fail to go back to work, but which implies that there's going to be a process in there uh, but they didn't mention the process. You know, they didn't say, well, you know, if you have an underlying condition, don't worry about it. Don't. And so, yeah. but because it's typical kind of Alabama uh, politics at this point, and we're expecting the worst out of people. Uh, instead yeah. of expecting this group of people, this group of Alabama workers who were 97 to 98%, you know, employed uh, when, when this all happened, who were happy, you know, going to jobs every day, who were working and who were chugging the economy along, instead of expecting the best out of them, They'll go back to work if they can and if they feel safe. You're expecting the absolute worst out of them. And I, I think that's a pretty big flaw at this point. I do too. I, I think opening up barbers, hair salons, nail salons, tattooing parlors, massage parlors. It's, it's way too early. I mean, that just seems it's illogical way too to me. Early. I, I don't see how you do that safely. Uh, but the legislature is coming on back on May 4th. We got about 40 seconds. I don't, I don't know how the, that's going to work, but May the fourth they be say well. they want to come in and pass some local bills and the two budgets. Yeah, they were, look, they're constitutionally required to pass those two budgets no matter what they do. Uh, they're supposedly going to take it, I think it's the first floor, the, the big room, I think yeah. they're going to use something yeah. like that. 
Uh, my concern is they're saying that they're not going to allow the press in. Well, I think that was uh, that was an indication, but I think that's been smacked down now. They they cannot constitutionally keep the press out of the. It, it says in the Constitution we are allowed to witness to be there on the floor. It says that specifically. All right, we're going to have to leave it right there. You've been watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.